Hey everyone, welcome to the Psych Sideshow Podcast. We made this podcast to develop our curiosity and yours. And we imagine ourselves as keen experimentalists when researching and implementing protocols. And hope you can imagine yourself as that as well. Our thoughts and views are aligned with the knowledge of an undergraduate student and it's not meant to be taken as professional advice in any sense. But join us chaotic beings in this journey of self-discovery as long as it is in a safe and informed manner. We We hope hope you enjoy enjoy this episode. Hello everybody and welcome to the Psych Sideshow. Today we're going to be talking about a topic I'm quite passionate about, death. So how, so how how are you, Sneha? How's it been? What have you been up to? Um, good, but before we carry on, uh, just a little bit of content warning. Today's episode, we'll be talking about death and content and themes regarding and revolving around death. So if it is a triggering topic, I would say feel free to stop listening to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So moving on. Um, moving on. So how, how's your week, Sneha? What have you been up to? Uh, we all like to know. The week has been okay. I feel like it's been a very kind of a low week for me. Um, yeah, I just I feel like I'm nearing my midlife crisis really. <laughs> or, Already. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm not very in touch with my emotions at the moment. Mm which I'm trying to get better at, um, but also a lot of things that I'm working on all at once. So, yeah, I'm just trying to prioritise specific aspects of my life. What about you, Lucien? That's fair. Um, I think I was talking about last week how I was a bit on, like, a low mood as well. I think uh, I've definitely come back a lot. I was, like focusing so much on my like uni work and also today's podcast which I got really passionate about <laughs> I saw I see yeah. your notes and um I think it just kind of lifted me up like I I find that whenever I really get intensely into work that I'm passionate about all of a sudden my mood just gets lifted like a lot and I get very energetic passionate today I'm just feeling good I'm excited for today's podcast it's going to be a doozy uh, it's something I'm very passionate about and I find very interesting. So, yeah. Should, should we get on with it? Yeah, okay, let's get on. Let's... All right, let's get on with it. So, today we're going to be talking about death. Uh, a lot of it is going to be, I guess, history, culture, the process of death, and we're going to have a little surprise at the end if you keep on listening. So, uh, first things first, the ancient history of death. Of course, the most famous, I guess, embalming kind of funeral things in ancient history is Egyptian. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, everyone loves talking about mummies and all the intricate ways of how they prepared their dead. And basically, uh, death in the afterlife in the Egyptian culture back then, they definitely believed that the body and soul was very connected. So it was quite important to prepare the body so it looks nice for the afterlife. They were obsessed with making sure the corpse actually looked like the person while they were living, mm-hmm. which is why they had a heavy focus on embalming, making sure that the corpse like stayed as, as fresh as possible. 
which is which is really respectful. Yeah, exactly. Is it? Okay. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this was mostly royalty and upper classes. Later, they actually had different levels of service. So even if you were someone who didn't have as much money, you could get, I guess, a lower level of look a bit more like yourself in the afterlife. Hmm. So. A little bit of the process, which I don't know, I, I found really interesting. Are we talking about pyramids now? Uh, no, this is just the process of embalming back okay. in the Egyptian days. Yeah. So the first thing they used to do is they used to clean the body, remove all the innards. The first thing they would remove is the brain. And the way they did it, uh, warning, it's a bit gruesome. They used to get a hook, put it up your nose and pull the brain. Ah! Out from there. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. They first did that, then they opened you up, your belly, and they <laughs> got rid of everything else. But they left the heart because they thought the heart was very important for the afterlife because they weigh a heart with like a feather and see if your good deeds in life, I guess, good enough to go to their equivalent of heaven. Right. So they weigh your heart with yeah, a they, feather. Yeah, they weigh your heart against a feather. And if it's heavier, what happens? Then they go to, I think, their version of, like, hell or purgatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be dead anyway to care. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so first they used to remove everything. Then the next thing they would do is uh, they would put cedar wood oil inside you, which would uh, be left there for seven days, and it would dissolve anything else inside except, like, the heart and stuff like that and they drain that later on. Uh, so basically, everything that was left was basically skin, bone, and the important organs that they thought was good for the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after, they something that was very important for them was actually fragrances. fragrances. They made sure that the body smelt really nice, because apparently it was um, to like please the gods afterwards if they're smelling nice, and it also makes the people embalming the body have a bit of a better time (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so they used to fill bodies up with or cover bodies with palm wine and spices to make it smell really nice and then they used to stuff it with linen or sawdust uh and sand to like kind of plump up the belly because if you have no organs you're gonna look a bit flat right (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then um they would cover you in salt uh, natron, I think it's called, for 42 to 7 days. There's like arguments, like the variability of days that they do it, and you basically become beef jerky. Like your body. Yeah, your body, your skin on the outside basically becomes like beef jerky. Because <laughs> like, of the salt. it's all dried out. <laughs> and they get rid of the salt, they put more like smelly oil on you that smells nice. Uh, they wash you, they roll you in linen, and the linen's like stuck down by sticky gum. And then you are placed in your coffin. Hmm. Yeah. And where does the coffin go? Uh, I think, well, well, the coffin goes in tombs if you're important. And I actually don't know where they go if you're, I guess, lower class or something. I'm sure mm. they go somewhere. It's funny how classism existed back then as well. Yeah. Even for death. Well, it's, <laughs> it's such a human thing. <laughs> how dare they? How dare they? Um, yeah, and then what do we have? So that's Egypt, which is like the birth of like the knowledge that we have on yeah. how death was perceived. Yeah, exactly. And carried through. Like that's something I get very passionate about death as well is the different 
processes that people dealing with their dead and also different ways and processes they use to like grieve grieve death mm. which i thought is really interesting fascinating kind of moving up in history uh i'm going to looking at uh england a little bit morticians were actually called undertakers and they used to usually be woodworkers like carpenters and stuff like huh. that because uh mostly back in the day families primarily cared for their own dead until the 1800s mhm so basically someone would die in your house and then it would be your responsibility to like clean them make sure they're dressed all nicely and then find a burial site uh talk to the carpenters the woodworkers the undertakers uh make a nice little coffin for them all that was basically you rather than nowadays where people either die in like old folks homes or you call someone up and they deal with all that special stuff for you which is which is interesting it makes me think a lot about uh if we are less connected to i guess those that pass away because it's not as in our face than as it was back then i don't know what do you think about that like with the prices of dealing with the death itself yeah like especially in western countries i feel like um death is kind of something you don't really I guess like it's very much like grieving, grieving, sadness. You take the body away immediately. You don't have any time with it. While back in the old days, that was very much a real thing that you had to process, be with with be with the dead of your family members or whoever they are. And I don't know, I guess I'm interested in your I guess opinion on that. I guess like when the event has occurred that itself is an indication of that connection that sort of like mutual connection being lost mm. um and all you have is like the memories right yeah yeah and i see the point where see the point of like staying a few days with the body of the person yeah just so you can like consolidate all of those memories reflect and grieve them and then just know that since you are kind of like just accept that it is what it is or like reality yeah it's like a primal reality mm. Mm. with like with actual evidence sitting right in front of you yeah exactly um, um i think we both listened to yeah i sent you a podcast about this mortician that's another obsession i have <laughs> i love listening to morticians i think they're some of the interesting <laughs> most interesting people in the world but anyway <laughs> Moving on, uh, she said that she had a lot of experiences where people did choose to, I guess, be in the presence of a loved one who has passed away, and she said that she's seen a lot of times that it actually uh, increases, like, it makes the grieving process a lot easier, which obviously I don't want to say that it does or it doesn't because I don't know, I'm not in that field. But I thought that was, I guess, an interesting thing that maybe we can think about. I and I also think that that could also be personal or like your ability to kind of engage in imaginative thinking yeah. in terms of how you're processing it. Yeah. Like maybe some people are just better at processing things without, and for some you'd need that visual aid. To process it i don't know yeah, maybe. just spitting out thoughts here 
Nah, of course. Um, but yeah, I found that interesting how it was practiced before and the disconnection that it implies. Yeah, like there's like a theory, I think, that goes around with like the positive death people. <laughs> positive. <laughs> uh, it's called the death industrial <laughs> complex and it's like talking all about how we're much more disconnected with <laughs> dead, like our dead basically. Like it used to be very much a everyday thing where people were exposed to death while... Nowadays, it's very much aversive, and people almost don't want to, I guess, accept it as a thing. And I think it's quite a taboo topic to even, like, talk about. But, like, why do you need to be connected with the death? Because I think it's a very important part of life. Like, everyone everyone will go through it. Mm. It's just a fact. And I think it's very human to think about... Death, because I think people think about death even if it is aversive to think about in their free time. <laughs> like, they think about what's going to happen. Maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people that I've talked to definitely say, oh, yeah, I have thought about death a bit, and, like, what happens afterwards and what everything's going to happen. So I think it's definitely a big part of our lives, and I think being connected with that can actually increase, uh, I guess, almost motivation, because... At the end of the day, we only have a finite like time on this earth, and I think we have to acknowledge that and feel very appreciative of what we have. But that, anyway, that's, that's just me. What do you yeah. think? Maybe I'm just no. I get that. Out. Like <laughs> the uh, the only thing that gives us life is the knowledge of death. Yeah, exactly. Like, so a lot of people argue that without death. We wouldn't have motivation to do a lot of the things that we do because, yeah. Taking back, going back to the box question. Yeah. <laughs> like why you actually want to do things. Um, yeah. But also, do you really need to acknowledge death every day? Oh, no. I don't, I don't think every day. But I think having a time where you do acknowledge that. I think it can be quite important. I don't think every day is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> like Unless you're obsessed with it, with like me. Obsessed with the facts. Yeah, like obsessed with, I guess, the process, how different people deal with it. Anyway, we'll get on to that later. <laughs> Lucian's found his niche interest. Yeah, maybe I should have become a mortician. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. So, yeah, I guess... So you think that it should be something that maybe, maybe it doesn't work for everyone. Like maybe people shouldn't think about it. Is that what you're trying to say? I think death is like an umbrella term. Mm. Um, when I'm engaging in risky behaviors, like think, I don't know, driving itself or doing extreme sport. Yeah. Or engaging in like something that could potentially get you injured or really fatally injured is kind of like you taking an action with the knowing that death could also be an outcome yeah right yeah so maybe it's just innate like just like innate thinking about it yeah the connection between life and death yeah i guess yeah i I, yeah I, i think i think that's true i think we all have an innate connection to death even if we don't think about it because Maybe it is all in the back of our minds, and like you and me right now, we're pretty young, I think. So 
Maybe it's less in our minds. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think there are brief moments where such thoughts would get elevated. Yeah. And that is when you might want to look inwards and reflect and see why you're feeling a certain way. And at that time, I think it's important to shine a light on death when you're actually thinking about it or um, really dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I don't think for me, it comes, it really in, comes into my mind space that often. A few little other interesting things about death in the olden days in the 1800s is that uh, it was actually considered improper to remove the body through the front door of where it entered. So a lot of the places, they actually had coffin windows, like farmhouses, huh? where they'd take the body in a coffin out of a window rather than the front door because it was seen as, like, bad luck. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Where, in England? Yeah, in England. Sweet. Uh, all right, now let's get to the fun part. <laughs> so, modern history. Uh, the inventor of modern embalming was Thomas Holmes in 1817. He basically made uh, embalming proper during the American Civil War uh, and he used arsenic to preserve bodies so they can be sent back to their families. Hmm. And the thing about arsenic is that it is extremely dangerous and poisonous. So I think the people that were actually preparing the bodies, probably a lot of them died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, he scienced too hard. Yeah, exactly. And apparently, I'm not sure if it was Thomas Holmes exactly. I know he was the inventor of the first embalming fluid. Oh, is that the brother of Sherlock Holmes? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But apparently people back then who were morticians, they actually even, like, displayed bodies that they embalmed to, like, show their work and say, look at me, I can embalm bodies so well. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. (laughs) They made being an embalmer a competitive... Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, literally hanging bodies and going like, look how good I can embalm. I can embalm your family member today if they die. Is that something to be proud (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They were proud of back then. And guess what? It worked. Because the demand of embalming increased drastically uh, in the 1890s. Wait, so question. Yep. Until then, yep. how were people being dealt with before after dying? Were they cremated or? Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm not exactly sure, buried. but I think embalming was definitely not as popular. So I think people would mostly just been buried, or uh, I think there's a lot of things like taken to like grave sites. Like people used to actually. Uh, have like little wheelbarrows to like hmm. take people's dead from their houses. Have you wait before we go? Yeah. Have you covered what embalming is? I will get to that. Okay. Uh, well, actually, no. You know, I'll say it now. A basic view of embalming is basically to preserve the body for longer. So hmm. arsenic was a is a very good preservative. In fact, they still argue it's the best preservative. But of course, it's very dangerous to people dealing with it. So. Is that a liquid substance? Yes. Okay. Uh, and yeah, um, basically embalming became a lot more popular. Uh, I think 
Yeah, uh, 1890s after, and after the Civil War in America. So basically everyone was like, oh, yeah, we need to get our dead embalmed now. And they used to, uh, I guess, show all their services because even though it was useful, like especially useful during the Civil War because people obviously wanted to see their family members mm. from the war, I guess they found a way to kind of ingrain it into the culture saying, oh, you need embalming. Because then your because then your loved ones will be um, last longer. You can be with them longer. And in fact, I believe they actually spread a myth saying that without embalming, they're actually dangerous to people to be ah. around. And it's yeah, and it's a myth. Uh, if you're around a dead person, they're not gonna make you sick because the thing that makes a, makes a person like uh, like ill to other people. Is like coughing, sneezing, <laughs> or all these different things. Like they're the things that actually spread illness. But if you're if someone has just recently died, they're not gonna harm you. Hmm. Yeah. So, but that is a myth that they uh, spread the old um, morticians, so then they can spread their embalming method. <laughs> their embalming business. Yeah, exactly. It's gotta grow, man. <laughs> Some good old capitalism right there. <laughs> That's that was the birth of industrialism. Hey, no joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, embalming. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's kind of a bit about the history of embalming. Uh, now uh, I'm going to go a bit into the procedure of embalming, what it actually involves. But first of all, is there anything you want to add to embalming? Yeah, I guess just a bit about the history, what your thoughts and feelings are about it. Do you think it's nice that this embalming thing kind of got spread about? <laughs> I just... I don't understand why it was created. <laughs> why? Well, well, it was created to preserve bodies. So when people died in the war, that when they were sent back to their families, they would still be preserved and mm. they wouldn't be rotting. Okay. Be, like giving it to the family. And then they made it into a business. Yeah, and they basically made it into a business, so, yeah. Okay, that's cool. You know, I've never thought into this much depth. 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 Depth about depth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've never thought about depth in such depth. Yeah. Um, But it's really, for me, I just perceived death as like a process where, oh, okay, so... Now what? Call this person up. What do you, what do you call those people? The ones who the organize. Or... Yeah. And choose whether you want this body to be cremated or buried. Yeah. And um, host a funeral. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. That's literally what I thought it was. But no, there's actually it, so much more yeah, that goes it, into trust it. Trust me, we have not even hit the tip of the iceberg yet. <laughs> <laughs> he says. Uh, so, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show going. you the rest of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, basically, the procedure of embalming. Uh, first of all, the job of morticians is to prepare the body for a funeral. It's so basically they get given the body and then they have to make it, they have to embalm it. Or there's a lot of other different things that they can do, like uh, Cre- cremation, cremation and stuff like that. And again, embalming is supposed to slow the decomposition of the body. Or the body will actually start decaying quite quick 
and in fact it'll actually get bloated because you get filled with air after a while when you're dead. Huh. Yeah. Like all the gases inside you start filling up your body and yeah. And you'd explode. Yeah, I think I think there has been cases. <laughs> oh my god. Where people like explode. <laughs> yeah. So the first step of embalming is you have to actually set the features of the body. Mm. So you have to like make it smiling and then you have to like you actually have to sew the mouth shut because people prefer having a closed mouth and you can like move the lips to make it have a bit more of a smiling face. You obviously you sew it inside so you know you don't see the sewing. Wow. Uh, and um, they even have special eye lenses that you put on your eye and you close the lid and it basically stops the lid from opening so the body doesn't have open eyes. That would be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, With your teeth out. <laughs> and uh, this is also uh, the stage where they do a lot of stitching. Say if there's like a bad accident that happened, uh, I was listening to a mortician who was dealing with someone in a bad car accident, mm. and they had a someone who was split open in their from their head to their like nose to the back of their head, mm. and basically what they did was they meticulously uh, sewed their head back together, and then put makeup on it to make it look like they weren't even like, I guess. Their head was split open. So, yeah. Because that's why, like, I think morticians are so important. Because they really do not only help the grieving process, but they are very much people. Like, people, people, people. that makes sense? (laughs) They restore dignity for the lost person. Exactly. They restore dignity. They restore respect. They give a chance that people can see their loved ones who Mm -hmm. may have suffered from bad traumas and... Yeah, I think their job is so important and should be much more respected <laughs> and talked about. Yeah. Because, I, I, I don't know, I love morticians. So is that what a mortician does? Yeah, basically, it basically makes... Embalming. Yeah, embalming and making you look all nice for your funeral. That's, that's kind of like an artistic thing as well. Yeah, a, a little bit. Anyway, next process. So yeah. after all this facial setting and uh, stitching and doing everything to make the body look nice. Uh, the reason they do this in the beginning is because apparently when someone is embalmed, it becomes a lot harder to change the person's facial expression. Mm. Yeah. So basically the embalming process is next. Uh, they use a one of the embalming, uh, like one of the fluids they use in embalming rather than arsenic is uh, formaldehyde. Formaldehyde? Yeah. Formaldehyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use a lot of other things, but that's like the main thing. And there's actually four processes of embalming, and basically this can be a combination of these, or this can just be the first one. So basically, the first one is uh, arterial embalming, which is basically they get an artery in your neck, they put the embalming fluid in, and as they get the uh, embalming fluid in and the arteries. Uh, basically spit out the blood from like another hole mm. so basically the embalming fluid goes in the blood comes out <laughs> the next thing is a cavity embalming which is they get a large spike called a trocarp and they actually poke it in your chest cavity and they start poking around at all your organs so they can release the gas and liquid from inside you when you die 
Just so you don't explode. Yeah, so you don't explode and you don't leak goose, uh, gross stuff because they have to go into, like, the bladder and they have to go into, like, all these different places, get all that poop and pee and blood and stomach stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so they do that. So they do that through the abdomen and the chest cavity. Mm. Uh, they also do... The next one is hypodermic hyperdermic embalming, which is basically you get little needles and you inject the embalming fluid into the tissue directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one is surface embalming, where they just put the embalming fluid straight on top of the skin. Um, is, there, like, is there a method that's most effective and least effective? Uh, I think arterial embalming is definitely the most, like, it's basically the one people go to to make mm-hmm. sure that people are preserved for the longest as they can be. And then I think in, uh, cavity is usually followed by it. And then the other two are like special cases. Right. Like say if someone's uh, had a lot of trauma and stuff like that, like um, a lot of like uh, gashes or something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's... And then the last thing is they make it look nice. They put clothes in it. They call their family up if they're like a bit of stubble. They'll give them like a shave, a haircut. Make, make them all look nice. clean and nice. They actually have special uh, makeup for morticians mm-hmm. uh, because when you die, your skin's actually cold. Mm. While makeup, when you're alive, it's used to having warm skin, which makes it easier to apply. Mm-hmm. But when you're dead, you're not warm, right? So they have this special makeup to make you look nice, so you look more alive. Right, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it's like the opposite of Halloween makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, because Halloween, you're playing dead while you're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the opposite. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that's the whole embalming process. How do you feel about that? Would you want to be embalmed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think the next topic is the death plan thing, right? But, yeah, Uh, without giving... No, we're not getting that yet. Okay. A few more things, and then we'll get to the special thing. Okay. A little hint. Then overall, no, I ne- I've never considered being embalmed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask this at all, all like parties I go to. I'm just going to say, have you ever considered being embalmed? <laughs> <laughs> what a con- conversation starter. <laughs> and they go like, do you, do you want to be embalmed? Because you can choose not to be embalmed. You have to tell people because most likely if you die without telling on, you will be embalmed. <laughs> just spreading awareness, you know. You know, spreading awareness that... People may just squirt liquids into you so they preserve your bodies for longer. Yeah, so if anyone's listening to this and I happen to die due to unspecified reasons, I don't want to be embalmed. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get that to the end. All right, Uh, all right, we'll continue to my next part, and it's going to be about different cultures and religions, and I guess their grieving process and their funeral processes. Because another thing I'm very passionate about is different cultures and I think I said in the beginning different cultures and different ways people deal with death Mm. which I find really interesting so uh we'll go I did most of the I did the major religions and I did one very interesting one that I'll talk about little surprise Mm -hmm. so first thing uh we'll do like uh Tibetan Buddhist funerals which I thought were really interesting they do something called a sky burial and the way they do it is they uh, they do a few prayers with a monk and then they have to carry, a uh, family member has to carry the body to this platform in a mountain. 
And they're basically uh, wrapped in white cloth and they're put on a mountainside platform. And then a monk or sky burial specialist will actually cut up the body uh, so vultures can come down and eat all of them. Yeah. You... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite It's quite. It feels uh, pretty intense. natural to me. Like, it's quite intense, but I think it's also quite... I don't know. It's, it's beautiful in a way, almost. It's like very... Econ- no... It's very ecologically, ecologically yeah, friendly. It's like almost the cycle of life of like you being eaten by a bunch of these a creatures. scavenger. Yeah, by vultures, which is interesting. <laughs> but besides that, also something popular in Tibetan Buddhism is cremation. It's it's quite common. Uh, I've heard in Nepal and India. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? Well, it is yeah. So cremation is like the go-to practice for a funeral it's basically just i don't think from what i know from my knowledge it's just when a person dies in a house you stay with them overnight and a funeral is like organized the next day with like a bunch of people and then it takes like 30 minutes and it's just like you burning your loved one or anyone or a pet as well. Yeah. Um, in front of like the people who have come to attend the funeral, so it's you, like it's someone that is related to the person who's burning the body. Is this quite common practice in India, or is it like specific to uh, religion? I think. I think it could be religiously specific. Um, I don't know too much of it because I was still a kid mm. and I wasn't taken to a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all based on description. Um, but no, this is how it was in the South at least. Yeah. Um, different regions within India have different practices. So I believe like somewhere in the North, like if you go to that um, Indian river. Yeah something like that yeah you put the like ashes and dead you put all the dead dead ashes right yeah. yeah so that is also a practice which i don't know a lot about but i think eventually i'll have to get myself cultured more <laughs> um yeah yeah i feel like that's another thing learning about death i think you know something that interests me is not only about learning how other cultures deal with death but also my own and thinking a lot more about death has surprisingly made me more energetic and happy. Wait, so how is it in the Catholicism? Yep. Um, So basically uh, what happens in the Catholic funeral is basically prior to a uh, funeral service, a vigil is held where it's basically a bunch of gathering of friends and family. Uh, they pray in the presence of the body, and then a priest uh, sprinkles holy water on the body. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they cover uh, most of the body with a white garment and place Christian symbols such as a Bible and crucifix. Uh, and then people, uh, during the funeral, they will take the coffin to a cemetery, and the priest will just say prayers that is, as it's lowered into the grave. Huh. Yeah. So... The go-to practice in Catholicism is burial and not cremation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, a few other things I did a bit more research in is Islamic funerals, which I found was quite interesting. 
So basically, when someone dies in, in an Islamic faith, uh, they have to be buried as soon as, ha- as soon as they can, usually before 24 hours. Mm. Uh, and someone uh, of the Islamic faith has to wash the body an odd number of times, usually three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once they do this, the hair is cleaned and a woman's hair is tied into three braids and tucked behind her back. Uh, then the graves, uh, the grave sites actually face the holy city of Mecca because in the Islamic faith, Mecca is quite prominent and important. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the bodies are actually placed on their right side facing Mecca uh, or facing Kaaba, the house of God in mm-hmm. Mecca. And uh, yeah, I guess, and then once this happens, uh, this is also in the, um, uh, in the coffin. So they basically get tilted to the side, facing Mecca. And then afterwards, they have the, their own grieving processes. Which, yeah, is interesting. And the last one I looked at was uh, Jewish funerals. Uh, and basically what they do is... Um, bef- uh, apparently, a goal, of, a, a goal is to actually say a prayer before they die. Mm-hmm. So when someone is in the dying process, they they need their last words should be a prayer and then a prayer of their final confession of sins that they've committed. Mm-hmm. And then once they die, they have to be buried as soon as possible within twenty four hours. Uh, someone must watch the deceased person until burial, which is called smira. Uh, and then the mourners honor the dead by having this prayer called uh, leave. I'm building Avi too. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to get Avi in here. <laughs> uh, and basically, uh, all the mourners fill the grave with earth. So all the family members they put they add to the grave as they're burying it. Mm. Uh, and after that, Shiva follows for a week after the burial, which basically uh, they have to. It's basically a time for grief, and they prioritize their grief. And I believe a ritual they have to do is they have to cover. All the mirrors in their house for 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 the whole week. Yeah, for the whole week during the shiva. That's within the house the person is from. Uh, I th- I think it's just the mourner's house. Okay. The people that are mourning. Mm. Yeah. So that's a few different, I guess, ways people conduct funerals, and a very interesting one. People probably don't know where this is from, but there's actually a meme about these. Um, these people having like a coffin on their shoulders and they're like dancing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll show you. That. I'm sure some people know what I'm talking about. If you are, is this good. on the mortician side of TikTok? No, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was quite, it was quite a popular meme. It's basically people like dancing with a um, casket on their shoulders. Hmm. And uh, this is actually a funeral tradition in uh, Ghana, which is a <laughs> African country. And basically, uh, they have. Uh, I think four days. The first day is for mourning, but even during this mourning process, there's actually uh, a lot of singing and dancing. It's very much less a focus on, I guess, the negatives and sadness. It's very much a focus on the celebration of the person's life, Mm -hmm. which I find is really nice. Um, And then they have two days of, like, celebration. Uh, It's like... But mostly it's for honouring the person who has died, uh... Another interesting thing is usually anyone can be invited. So they actually put up posters of people's funerals and they say, oh, anyone can just turn up if, if you want to respect the person who's died and 
even if you're not related to the person or know them quite quite much at all, you can always join for the celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during these honouring periods, they always have, like, gunfire, no bullets. They just have, like, the gunpowder. Mm-hmm. So it makes a big noise and everyone's getting excited and having fun. And then the last day is for celebration. And people are meant to wear white rather than black because white brings happiness while black brings sadness. So people are dancing, having fun, celebrating this person's life. And another really fun thing is that people can actually have differently shaped caskets according to what they want. So uh, a video of what I saw is someone actually wanted a casket shaped like a tuna because they were a fisherman, which I thought was awesome. And uh, there was another one who wanted a, a shape of a Bible, a casket. And the guy that was actually making these uh, caskets, he said when, when he dies, he wants his casket to be the shape of a hammer because it's supposed to represent making what it. he's passionate about, what he grew up in, what he been doing all of his life, which uh, it's beautiful. Like Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I thought like all these different funerals are all like very different. They have their own specialty and... I think at the end of the day, they all are different expressions of, I think, the grieving process and and the importance of, I guess, moving on through these rituals in these different cultures. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, which, I don't know, which I think is, it's beautiful. It is beautiful when you put that distinction out. Yeah. Yeah, like, because these rituals, I think it's so important to, I think, have these things so you can move on you can be with other people. It can... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just it's think a... it's really important. And I think it's beautiful that all these different cultures around the world have their own different ways of dealing with this, I guess, fact of life. And being aware of it also helps us, opens us up to other ways to deal with our own grief, be yeah, what exactly. it may. Exactly. Yeah. No, 100%. This all is right. really cool. Now, we have special part that people if you've still been listening now you've got a little special part for you there's something i said to you we're gonna make a death plan (laughs) yep the death plan so basically uh we're just going to be talking about for the last few minutes of this episode on uh when we die which is hopefully not soon but you never know an anvil might be dropped on your head so <laughs> that's gotta, literally what the video said we've got to be prepared all right we've got to be prepared <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i guess have you been thinking about it yeah so i did make myself a very sort of like r- rushed out death plan all right. and right after doing right after doing that i called you up to see that because like i was a bit worried about how i was feeling (laughs) (laughs) i was because i was like i'm not really engaging with this like because the video (laughs) said that they really cried thinking about the death plan and i was like what because i was well again we're pretty young so i think (laughs) we don't have to worry about that for a while but i don't know it's a fun little thing that i thought we could share with our listeners yeah so the death plan, from what I perceived, um, it's just like a very small sort of small, but it could be in more detail. Yeah. Um, it's just a plan that has like 
the essentials, basically your next of kin, the person who's taking care of like the documentations and things like that. Yeah, but and we, yeah, but we don't need to talk about that. We just need a. I think, I think it would be just good just to I guess talk about embalmed. what we want <laughs> when we die. What what we want our body to do. Yeah. So when I die, <laughs> I don't want to be embalmed, obviously. Yeah. So no embalming. All right. Yeah, and I want to be cremated, and I want my ashes to be dispersed in all the places I've traveled to. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's a part a of <laughs> so there's a part of me everywhere I go. <laughs> no. No, that, that, that's beautiful. Just... No, no. It's a do. lot of effort. No, nah, that's beautiful though. Do, would um, you have like a set number of places that you kind of want your ashes to be spread? Like saying, oh, I felt a really deep connection to this, 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 and this place. Yeah, so far, like I haven't traveled a lot, but it, it is one of my life goals to yeah. do like a full worldwide traveling sort of year. Yeah. So, so as, as of now, it's in places like the Harbour Bridge yeah. apart. And then... um. A few hiking places. <laughs> Blue Mountains is the only thing that comes to mind. Yeah. But <laughs> as you can tell, I haven't travelled too much. But yeah, if, um, eventually I just want to like, you know, if I do travel, I want to travel with like a goal in mind in terms of getting to know cultures and food and people. And yeah, and in really remote areas as well. I don't know, eventually I'll find a connection with this place that's just like, that's just, that'll just make me go, oof, this feels like home to me. And that is where I'll want most of my ashes to be. But I, yeah, I don't know where yet. Like, it's not specific yet. (laughs) Which means, you know what, I have a life purpose to fill, so I'm not going to die. You do have to be careful, though. Uh, You actually do need permissions, permission to scatter someone's ashes. So there's certain places where you can't do it. <laughs> fair enough. Just, yeah. yeah, it's fair enough. Like I don't think I'd be very happy if I walked out my front door and I saw someone spreading someone's remains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So as long as it's consented. Um. But I just want it in nature. I don't want things like, except for the Harbour Bridge, obviously. But like, yeah, yeah. I don't want it somewhere in the city or next to houses. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. No, that makes sense. Oh, but I think ocean would be a good choice if you want to be everywhere. That way, it'll be like, oh, it's just out there in open space. And is this possible to give your ashes to different people? Yeah, why not? Ah, oh. yeah. Maybe I'll write a list of people who can have a bit of my ashes. Uh, also, a few thing, a few other things these different people can do with your ashes. Uh, some fun facts: you can actually make a vinyl record Ooh. with your ashes. You can make jewelry with your ashes. You can uh, make it into a diamond. You yeah. can send them to space. Uh, you can get a tattoo with your ashes. <laughs> Uh, I've, uh, oh my god, yes, I've heard of that. Uh, you can get fireworks display with your ashes in it. <laughs> uh, again, you can uh, cut, uh, scatter them at sea. You can put them in a cuddly toy for a keepsake. Uh, th- th- I found this one really funny. You can actually make an hourglass with your ashes. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of ironic. It's kind of It's like, like time is ticking. Yeah, imagine giving that to your family members where it's like your own ashes and 
you, it's like a timer. It's almost like, yeah, this person died. You you, you have to think about time as well. <laughs> and how much time you have. But, yeah, some interesting facts that you can do with your ashes. Okay, we laugh. Um, what about you, Lucien? What, oh, what do you for do? Me? Uh, all right, so this is actually pretty hard for me because I mm. kind of have two steps. All right, first things first. If I'm in a terrible accident, like a trauma accident, uh, or I die overseas, I'm happy to be cremated. And what I want to happen to my cremated remains is I want to have whoever my next of kin or family or whoever is at the time to go on a hike up a mountain and then at the top of the mountain when they're done I want me to be spread on top of it yeah because I like the idea of having one last adventure and I guess a little bit forcing other people (laughs) to have one last adventure with me because I'm very passionate about doing new things, having adventures. I love mountains, stuff like that. But, you know, I have heard stories where people's ashes kind of get put in a cupboard. So I made a backup plan. (laughs) If within a week someone can't climb up a mountain and spread my ashes, I'm just happy to have my ashes spread into the ocean. I would climb a mountain to spread your ashes. Oh, thank you. Oh, I, I, I do, I do that for you too. Over the harbour bridge where people were like driving. <laughs> that is an extreme, mate. Oh, I'm joking. It's funny, mate. <laughs> it is. Uh, but um, so it's either that if I'm like very traumatic or it's like overseas, and uh, or if my body's completely fine and I die of like natural causes. I think I would like a natural burial. So there are these um, caskets you can get made out of wood and they can slowly decay over time. So basically I can be buried underground and everything will start decaying and I guess I like the idea of becoming one with Earth again. And uh, I'd probably wear a Swiss watch as well because I'm very passionate about my watches. And be well suited. And be well suited. I want to look nice for my death. Yeah. I want to... Whatever happens next, I want to make sure I'm looking pretty snazzy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess that's my death plan. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at home, if you want to make your death plan and send it in the comments, it might be a bit of fun. uh, Or if it's a bit too uncomfortable, whatever. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to our death plan and a little bit of the history of death itself. I hope your uh, curiosity has been piqued, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.